This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're always searching for your next great adventure or seeking answers to complex questions, If you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov slash careers. See yourself here. To a Celtic state of mind, yes, we are 60 seconds late, and it's Colin's fault. Amy and I have been sitting here waiting for about 10 minutes to get started. I'm Paul John Dykes, that's Colin Watt, and we are joined today by Amy Canavan, who is still delighted at the fact that Bonnie Rose got off to a flyer, but so did Celtic. And we'll be talking all about Ange Postacoglu's side beating Aberdeen 2 0. Angie's comments afterwards, first and foremost, how good is it to be back, Colin Watt? Absolutely, uh, I mean. 
the atmosphere in the build up to the game yesterday was superb. It's a bit strange kicking off at four thirty on a, a Sunday afternoon, but um, yeah, full house at Celtic Park. The atmosphere building up to it. I thought Celtic did well. Um, getting Liam McGrandles just to play before it. The T4 was fantastic. Um, yeah, all in all, a good professional first day performance from the boys. It certainly was. Did you manage to catch any of it yourself, Amy? I know often your weekends um, are made up of a bit of work in the sports industry. Did you get a chance to watch the game? Yeah, I was lucky I got to work it. So, um, call it work. It's not really work, is it? Uh, <laughs> no, I was quite happily. I got to dash away from um, St. Mud and Motherwell. That's what I was on first. And then I did get to catch the other game. So, um, yeah, it's not really work when you get to watch such a comfortable and, and controlled performance as that. And I think everything that Colin said is pretty spot on. You know, I think... And Ross Coglu said that post matches, well, if you play after the rest of the season, you're going to be pretty pleased. Um, yeah, you're hoping obviously for a little bit, being a little bit more clinical, but you know that will come. But if you put in performances like that week in week out, then it's um, yeah, Celtic are going to be a pretty tough side to beat. How dare you, Amy? Right, go through all your schooling and decide that you want to move into journalism and media and then get a job in said industry. I mean, you are going to be criticised on social media for that. How dare you? Yeah, there will be. How dare you have an insight into the um, Scottish football world? So you dashed from one stadium to the next. You've seen Celtic uh, and all their pomp. Were you surprised, Colin, with the starting lineup? I know that I took great pride and pleasure in saying on uh, Sunday that Laura and I got the, the starting 11 spot on on Friday on the, on the bulletin. Was there any surprises in there for you? Um, no, not really. No, I think it was um, kind of set up from the week before who was going to start. Um, the, the game against Norwich kind of gave us a heads up. Um, on the bench, there wasn't really anyone that kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, Jens probably had the chance of starting, but then Stephen Welsh came in and put a really professional performance on uh, yesterday. So it's, it's good now that we've got competition for places. You're looking at that bench and you're going, yeah, if we've got to bring something on to change the game, we've got those options now. Um, and as I said, there wasn't really anybody that I thought would have got a start over anyone. I think what you're looking at just now is probably our first 11, our strongest first 11. Mm. Um, whether that will change throughout the season will depend on how players develop. We were talking about this yesterday, Amy, the fact that um, you look at the starting 11 and it's made up of players who were here last year, but we don't subscribe to this uh, nonsense that Celtic have stood still, that, that we've not improved, because all you've got to do is look at some of the performances of the players and the circumstances around how they arrived at the club last season compared to where they are now with a full pre-season under their belt, having worked with Ange and all the other players around about them. So I'm not looking at Hitati the same way. I'm not looking at O'Reilly, even Carter Vickers or Jota the same way as I did last season. Do you subscribe to that? Well, you can. Um, because it, it doesn't matter that, you know, that, that starting eleven could have obviously ran out last season. Um, but the fact is, obviously... I mean, like the two biggest is the fact that you're bringing in Jot and Cameron Carter Vickers on a on a permanent. So that's huge. That's business in itself, and that's that's forward thinking um, and and progression. Then you, you're looking at the bench as well. The strength in the bench is, you know, that, that, that's the biggest change. Not only from this time last season, but also at the tail end of last season. Every player on that bench pretty much walks into every other side in, in the Scottish Premiership. Um, you know, so. You, 
Ange Postacoglu's building a, a squad here. It's not just about having 11 players to take to the pitch. It's being able to have that rotation. Yeah, yesterday, maybe only have been Aaron Moy, who was the, the difference from last season, but that doesn't matter. It didn't need to just be him. Um, it could have been others, but that's just the beauty of what Ange Postacoglu's built and that the players that have bought into it. And that at this stage in the season, you know, as well, when was the last time that Celtic's first Premiership League game was their first competitive game of the season as well? Mm. I don't know the last time that's happened. It's probably one of the first times in my lifetime. Um because there's always going to at least be one kind of qualification in there. So even to have that, and I know obviously Ange said he doesn't really want to buy into this um, you know, rustiness or, or being not match fit and or lacking sharpness. He was kind of quite dismissive of dismissive of that. And I'm more than happy that he is. But you know, I think it can be taken with a pinch of salt. I think he's got a right to say that as a manager because he expects his players to, you know, be at this. But, you know, for the rest of us, we've seen this kind of tale time and time again. And to still be, you know, however many days away from uh, any kind of European football um, and for Celtic to be in this kind of position off strength still and putting in performances like that, I know we'll get into it. But, you know, that performance yesterday, especially for spells in the first half and spells in the second in that first half game could have and probably should have been buried. And you're thinking if that's maybe October, November time, that game is getting buried 3-4-0 mm. by half time. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of positives to take. And going back to your original question, yeah, I don't think you can buy into the fact that you're, I don't think anyone can really say that Celtic have sat still. Um, Carter Vickers and, and Jota's uh, the, the two glaring examples and then the strength of the bench as well. I think yeah. as well, Paul, when you look at it, Jota was almost like a totally different player from what he was last year. I mean, last year he was more out there on the wing. He didn't really cut in as much as what he has done already so far in pre-season and then in the game yesterday. He was more getting the ball over, get it get it wide, get the crossover. Mm. Yesterday he was cutting in a lot more. Obviously his goal came from him doing that as well. But he did it time and time again in the first half to try and interlink the play through the middle. Um, and I think that's obviously a development and it's the sort of freedom that Andrew's given him. And you've noticed as well that obviously both him and Maeda were switching the wings and it really caught out the Aberdeen defence. I thought the boy Richardson at uh, right back for Aberdeen had a really poor game because he just couldn't keep up with either Maeda or Jota. Um, and that's that's development in players. Mm. You see it as players grow up and they, they kind of um, have that freedom now where Jota's got that freedom that he knows he's got a long-term contract at Celtic. He knows now, like... He's not got to try and sort out his future. He can go and enjoy his football and then maybe in two, three years' time he'll look for that next move. But over that these sort of next two to three years, he can show the ability that he's got. And I don't think we saw the top potential out of Jota last year. I think we saw glimpses of it. But now that he's got that freedom and the stability of being set in Glasgow, I think you'll see a lot more expression out of him. His goal yesterday was absolutely outstanding and I think that won't be the first... So that won't be the last time that you see something like that from him this year. Yes, I think expressing himself is exactly what he started to do. And um, I, I do agree with that, Colin. I think that uh, there's a lot to be said with a player being settled. You know, when you're on loan and you're, you're obviously trying to prove yourself every single day, but do you ever feel settled when you're on loan? That, you know, that's a question only a footballer could answer, I guess. But he certainly does look more settled. And, and as you say, fantastic. the other thing I noticed about him is his hair's changed. Hopefully that's no permanent. Um, and he returns back to George Michael circa don't 1986. I don't think you're one to talk. His hair is fine. <laughs> Listen, Amy, I get enough stick about mine on social media. I know, I'm media. just starting the pot here. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. I, I can take it. Um, but on the, the subject of the bench... 
just a few of the players in it, and I'm not um, even going to get into the, the new players, Gents, Moy and Burnaby. Yakamakis, Abada, Ralston, Turnbull. These are guys that at some point during the season are going to play their part. Yet they're sitting on the bench and they're given the gaffer options that you know we simply did not have, as Amy said, this time a year ago. But they came on, I felt, Amy, and I think that the treble change followed by the double change, I think that it actually added a bit to the, the Celtic side and it happened at the right time, 66 minutes. You know, it's normally 60 or 65 that Ange likes to make a change, but he was bold, he made a treble change followed by a double change and it was that injection, I think, that we needed at that, that time of the game as well, Amy. Yeah, and that's totally what I'm referring to, that, you know, you look at the quality on that bench and we saw it a lot at the tail end of last season and you could see Ange Postacoglu basically flexing his muscles, you know, you're bringing on three players that, you know, I think you're thinking up at like Dingwall and that and you just look at all them lining up and every other side in, you know, in the country would be gagging for, for this kind of quality to start with and Ange Postacoglu can bring on, you know, if it be... He can completely change the front three is basically, basically the, the greatest way to put it. Um, and there's no drop in quality. And I think it was probably mentioned on commentary yesterday. And if it wasn't, it certainly should have been. Um, but it is. It's just there's not there's never a dip in quality. And it's what we've kind of said, you know, always at Celtic. Um, and I always think, like, Kevin Tate always says it well, that, you know, you should have two quality players in each position. Um I don't think we're there yet completely throughout the squad, but when you look at that front three, I, I think we certainly are. Um, bits in the midfield we are as well, but if we're not, it's probably just because the ones that are there are, are so, so good, and it's not that the replacements aren't so, so good, but maybe just so good. Um, so to be able to have that, yeah, and, and basically flex muscles, it's kind of shown off a bit. Um, I enjoy it. You can revel in it, but you can understand. Um, you know, you can understand others looking at it, and I think you've just got to laugh if you're other teams at times and just think, "Wow, this is just a really, really top quality squad." Not just a top quality side, but a top quality squad. That you know, I don't think. Obviously, I can't speak for an opposition team, but I think if you're, you know, you're just kind of huffing and puffing either way. If it's Kyogo who starts, because you know if. If Kyogo starts, Yakimax is going to come on at some point. You know, if Jota's out, you know, then maybe Abada will be playing um, or Maeda. And there's just that rotation there as well. Um, so, you know, your head's always in a in a spin. And at a team like Celtic, that's, that's how the opposition should be feeling when you're coming in to face them. So to have that strength and, and depth. Um, and, yeah, I think I think any Celtic fan, you, you do have a little giggle. And I think you can see the players that are coming on because you just think, wow, the quality running throughout especially the front three, is uh, is exceptional right now. It definitely is. I'm keen to get your comments uh, up on the screen. Paddy Lavery, you're back. Afternoon all and an afternoon to you. Hopefully you're enjoying the sunshine with a few sherbets. Or is it too early for that? I'm not so sure. Paul McLean, got to say, I wouldn't call that performance off to a flyer. Hayes converts and Celtic would have struggled. Midfield still the major issue. Well, there you go. There's another uh, opinion on the match. I did say we were off to a flyer. I think that um, over the piece... And we'll get to Angie's post-match, by the way, because I think he probably agreed with Paul a wee bit. Um, mm-hmm. Over the piece, I think it was fairly comfortable. But we did home in on that Johnny Hayes chance yesterday, Colin, because Laura gave us a kiss of death in the pre-match by saying that Johnny Hayes, uh, when she sees his name on a team sheet, it doesn't fill away any fear whatsoever. And uh, she was almost made to eat her words. Um, do you think there are still frailties there? Or, you know, teams are going to create chances, aren't they? 
teams are going to create yeah. chances and, and who knows what would have happened but um, I think over the piece over the 90 minutes Celtic won fairly comfortably didn't they? Yeah I think that what it comes down to is when you look at it Celtic were wasteful with a lot of what they created yesterday um, the amount of times that ball went across the box and it was behind the striker or the the, for, the midfielder wasn't far enough forward to connect onto it um, the claims, the two claims for penalties that we could have had in the first and second half What about um, the first half? Sorry to interrupt it was barely mentioned the, the one yeah. in the first half was barely mentioned that's the one on Jota right? Yeah that's the one on Jota yeah. Didn't even see a replay for that Colin? Uh, are you surprised? Because it was one of the, those ones where I'm looking at it in real time thinking penalty and I wanted to mm-hmm. re-watch it. And then obviously the second one, you're all right to do a diving header into the boy's feet to try and win the ball. That was a tatties. So I, I don't think that was spoken about enough. And obviously Roos saved at least three decent efforts as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think when you look at it, the amount of times you got the ball wide and we just couldn't find that player in the middle. You're thinking... Maybe Giacomacchus was the guy that we needed in the first half with the amount of balls that was coming across. And Kyogo was the guy to come off the bench and really stretch them in the second half because I thought that the new captain that they've got, the, the centre-half, I, I didn't think he was sure. up to much. Yeah, I didn't think yeah, he was I up thought, to much. I totally agree with you, Colin, and I'll not jump in, but I think that is exactly what you go with as well, especially when you know that obviously Aberdeen have played with Liam Scales so much at centre-half, obviously he can't mm. play against Celtic. So you know it's going to be Ross McCrory who's jumping back from midfield into the defence as well. And Anthony Short, yeah, he did not look comfortable at all. No, the amount of times that they kind of let the ball bounce over his head or he was caught out of position. Um, and you even saw it when Giacomacchus came on, he was kind of getting the better of him right away. So um, maybe he, when we look ahead to the Ross County game, it would be better to maybe start someone like uh, Gigi up front and then look at bringing someone like Kyogo off the bench. But as Amy says, that comes down to the fact that you've got such a squad that you can do that now. I mean, would you go look back to 12 months ago? Obviously, the 12 months ago yesterday was the 2-1 the defeat at Tynecastle. Now you're kind of looking ahead and you're saying, well, yeah, OK, if Johnny Hayes had scored, would Celtic have maybe stepped up another gear, which they definitely could have yesterday. Mm-hmm. I don't think they got out of first or second gear yesterday at all. There was still potential for that performance to improve. Yeah. Um, if they'd went a goal behind, would it have lifted them? Would the crowd have got back behind them? Would they have kind of started to take some of these chances? I mean, there was nonchalant bits of play where you're thinking, stop trying to pass the ball into the back of the net and just actually take a shot. Jota tried to chip the goalkeeper from 25, 30 yards out where he could have definitely played one of the other players in. Um, and I understand and just frustration behind that because it could have been a lot closer than what it needed to be yesterday. That mm. showed how dominant a performance it, it is 2-0 was very kind to Aberdeen yesterday and speaking to a couple of Aberdeen fans that we know uh, through the, the channel um, that are on the state of Scottish football the red tinted glasses boys even they said that as well mm-hmm. they says that the, they were they lucky were, to come away with only getting beat 2-0 they were nowhere near it you're right and that is from the Aberdeen side of things through red tinted glasses uh, Michael Ross Need a right good domineering defensive midfielder. Well, we'll be talking about what else might be coming in and what might be leaving Celtic Park before the uh, transfer window is up. Susan Findlay, welcome to the show. Happy with the win, but we need to be more clinical. I think we all agree with that, and hopefully that will come into play, as Colin was saying earlier, after a few games. Now, Frank, are you sure he'd get a game? Would he get a game? Not too sure. I'm not quite sure where he would fit in, to be honest with you, Frank, if we were to bring him in. Um 
plenty to discuss. I'm running a poll on the YouTube channel, but I don't know if anybody's um, maybe picked... Uh, to be fair, I should have said the Celtic third kit. The one that's been announced today and the images and the film footage is out today. And I've asked, is it cracking or is it bogging? Now, that isn't a, a word I would normally use, but remember the old Celtic video when they're outside asking Celtic fans about the away kit, which was a zigzag effort, and it finished off with some wee guy saying, I think it's bogging. And we've been trying to find him for a while. I'm not quite sure if he tunes into Axel or not. He's probably about the same age as me now. But um, what I am talking about is actually... The new kit. So let's bring it up. Let's bring it up, Colin. Um, using the wonderment of technology, we'll bring up the new kit and we'll have a wee look at it to see how good, bad, or indifferent it looks. So here we go. We'll get it up on the big screen now. Um, um, it's it's all about opinions, I guess. But uh, I'm going to ask first of all, Amy, what's your opinion on the new Celtic third kit? Howler, I hate it. Uh, I really, I'm not a fan at all. Um, I don't mind a little bit of detail on the edge of the sleeve, but other than that, it's just so washed out. I just, I don't really particularly like the grey. I don't like the lemony more than even like green. I'm not a fan of it. Um, and yeah, I just think it really looks washed out. Um, been really disappointed because I obviously I really like the away strip. Still not totally taken by the home stri- strip as well. Sorry with the um, the silver the Adidas stripes, but uh, no, this is a no-go for me. I really am not a fan. What is the detail on the the sleeve? Can Colin maybe... It's the top of the stadium. Is it actually the... Right, the rig's at the top of the stadium. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. All right. Okay, I'm not sure I'd use that as a feature, but Amy gives it a big thumbs down. Colin, what, what's your thoughts? Mm, I don't know. Do we know what the shorts are? Are the shorts black with the that yellow... Stripe. I think they're, they're grey as well. Oh, are they? I've not yeah, seen the shorts. I'll, I'll double check them. Um, because they'll be available on the shop as well. I've only seen this film footage, which obviously is on the official Celtic Twitter, as well as the images that they released earlier this morning. Um, Do you and know again, what? I think, I think it's one of them tops, Paul, that would maybe look better if you see it in person. Uh, right. I'm not 100% sold You're on it. You're remaining really optimistic here. Yeah, and I don't know how you can even make this an optimistic scenario. What I do like is the fact that it comes sponsorless. Right. Which well, is un- unheard of for the... Then that's just um, going to look even more like a training top then. That would look like a pre-game top if it doesn't, like, see without the sponsor. And I'm all for sponsorless. But, oh, I'm just not a fan. Amy of is top. not a fan. Colin, <laughs> th- thumbs up or thumbs down on this third kit? Um, I- I'm in the middle. I, I want to see it in person first. I- I'm not 100% against it. I'm not 100% for it. I'm, I just, uh, would I buy it? No. No, I wouldn't rush out to buy it. But um, it, we, asked for, we asked for them to do something different. And I guess this is what they've came up with. But as Amy well, says, it, it could be seen as a bit of a training top. And to be honest, there's some of the new training kit that's just been revealed today as well that would probably be a better third kit than, than this. Well, I'm going to throw my tuppence worth in as well because, as you know, I'm a big fan of uh, football jerseys, but in particular Celtic jerseys, of course. And I'm looking at this thinking, well, if I'm looking at a positive, it's a, it's a new design, so it's not a rehash of an old favourite, right? Because, obviously, most of the jersey designers that we've gone to since Umbro were involved have tried to reimagine jerseys from the past, some good, some bad, or indifferent. So at least it's a new design. 
Um, I'm not getting the significance of using some structural um, work it's on the on the sleeves. Uh, it does look like that, to be fair, Colin. It's a good shout, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't get that. There's so much to our history that could could have been used. Uh, color scheme, it's all a bit wishy washy. Uh, and I'm one for the crest being the full colour crest. I'm a traditionalist in that I, I know that these colourways um, mean that it simplifies the crest and all that, but I'm all for the green, white and black Celtic crest. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Best. Full colour. Here's one for If the yellow was a sort of olive green or a darker green, would that be a better fit than the green yellow? Would yeah, green, yeah, green be a yeah. better go? Yeah. yeah, more of a contrast or even pink uh, or not. No, so anyway. By the, way, the, sh- the shorts are black. I just are they black? Yeah, right, they're black. going to look better, definitely. Yeah. Uh, going back to what Amy said, I think the home jersey um, looks better whilst we're actually playing in it. Remember the promo photos, and there was quite a bit of controversy, and there was a lot of people thinking it's not that smart. I think when you see us wearing it, it looks really smart. Um, but again, it's all about opinions. It's uh, it's Celtic after all. If the if the crest is on that on that breast, and it's a Celtic jersey. Not a massive fan. It will be included, believe it or not, in my new book. There is going to be one sneaky wee photo shoot sneaked in through the back door. Although I've got to say, I did not see this before it was released because the photo shoot has not yet taken place. But it will be, and it will be in the book. So there we go. We talk about everything on a Celtic state of mind, from tactics to whether or not the third jersey is bogging. And at the moment, on the YouTube, 23% reckon it is, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're talking. 23% reckon that it's not a nice shot. Yeah, but then I actually said the Celtic away shirt, so they're maybe thinking about the black one, oh. which you know is a pretty smart shot. I want to talk a wee bit about Stephen Welsh, and I, I tinkered with the, the title today because, firstly, I, I misspoke, I misspelt flyer with an I, and I knew that Amy would pick me up on that, um, so I changed that. And then I was going to ask, is Stephen Welsh going to be the Tony Ralston of this campaign? And what I mean by that is he going to emerge? almost from the shadows. Um, I think that his performance yesterday was excellent, great start. Um, He's obviously got big competition, big boots to fill. But let's be honest, so did Tony Ralston last season. I went on about it yesterday. Ange likes him. He's had interest from Udinese. He's had interest from Toulouse. I can't remember if Udinese was a loan deal, Colin, you might remember. Um, But there's been interest from Italy and France in this player, yet he's still here and I think he's growing into the position and I think that was one of his best performances yesterday. And I know, Colin, that you were aware of him uh, as a youngster playing as a lone at Greenock Morton. What's your thoughts on Welsh? I mean, he's obviously a first pick due to injury at this moment in time, but you know, most players do get a chance through circumstances like that. Yeah, that's, that's when you tend to find the, 
the youngsters making the move up. Um, Kieran Tierney was the exact same with uh, Emilio Izaguirre. Um For me, I thought Stephen Welsh had a, a pretty comfortable performance um, yesterday. I'd, but then there wasn't much kind of put up in front of him. Um, what he did do, he did well. He took his goal very well. Um, he was very comfortable on the ball. I believe that he was the player with the most uh, percentage complete passing, most accurate passing. Um, so, yeah, he had a very solid performance in that instance. It's not the first time he's had performances like that before. He definitely did that um, when he stepped into the team uh, to replace the, the Ireland international Shane Duffy as well. Um, for me, though, I think he is a player who he's going to have to play week in, week out to get up to that level um, consistently for Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. There's still a lot of things he, he does have to work on. Um I think his his pace could be improved. Um, I think his positioning could be improved as well. Um, but in terms of getting stuff in the air and playing the ball out, he's he's definitely in that mould of an Ange Postecoglou centre back, and you can tell that there's a lot of trust being put in him by Ange. I mean, he could have easily put Jens into that position yesterday, or Julian could have stepped in, but no, Welsh has shown he's up there anyway. Um, for me, I was surprised that the the kind of um, not putting him out on loan for this season um, because I think at the age he's at now he's what 22, 23 somebody correct me um, he will have to be playing regular football soon otherwise he's just going to stagnate to the level that he's at um, and the chance to go and play European football and be guaranteed the position week in week out mm-hmm as opposed to Celtic, where it could be um, Jens that would be the, the first choice, or um, I think Andrew still put it out there that he's still looking to strengthen in certain departments as well. Um, unless Welsh has been guaranteed the fact that he is going to be the number one centre-back alongside Cameron Carter-Vickers, and that means Staffield has got to work for his position, I would be looking to try and play football week in, week out, because he can improve as a player, he's still young enough to improve, but you're not going to do that sitting on a bench playing maybe the odd sort of 10-15 games a season This is his third full season as a Celtic player, Amy we know that he made one appearance previously um, against Hamilton Ackes he's only 22 um, and I think there's been a remarkable amount of faith shown in him by Ange Postecoglou as I say, he's not backed these offers from Udinese and Toulouse and when Starfelt's out injured as Colin quite rightly said, he doesn't go to Julien, he doesn't even go to Maurice Gents, who's come in, and he, he's shown the faith in Stephen Welsh, who I think deserved the jersey based on his pre-season form. Um, where is he uh, in your mind in terms of the pecking order? Will he get enough game time this season? Because I think a big thing about Ralston was just getting that run of games. You know, Will he get that run of games when you know the competition is so stiff, particularly when Starfield comes back in, Amy? Yeah, I'm not so sure if he will necessarily get the run of games, but I don't. This is just purely from a, a selfish point and, and not probably thinking in the best intentions of Stephen Welsh. But I would like do everything to keep him at the club, which is obviously what the club have done so far, knocking back the, the offer from Toulouse. I think, as we were saying earlier, that you know you need two quality players in every position, um, and I think Stephen Welsh is really working towards that. I don't think he could be a Tony Ralston because I don't think he's came from the same kind of position as Tony Ralston. You know, Ralston came totally out of the blue. Welsh isn't out of the blue. 
Um, and I think, you know, last season, especially in the first half of last season, he did play quite a big part. Um, and, you know, Ange has continuously rated him really, really highly and put that confidence in him. You know, yesterday I did feel that he was better than Carter Vickers. Um, I thought he was really, really comfortable on the ball. Not saying that Carter Vickers was bad, but I think there was actually a few occasions in the first half where he was just a little bit off it. And I think he missed timed one of the headers and he just looked a little bit lackadaisical um, but it's still a, a really really strong performance but I just don't actually think that Stephen Wells did end up putting a foot wrong I think he's really really comfortable working forward um, which really obviously works under Ange as well as he likes his players to, to push um, you know you're more than comfortable hanging around halfway line and beyond and he's got some ping on him um, he's got an eye for a pass and I, I really really like his, his uh, long range passing ability so I think for him you know, he's obviously a, a Celtic fan as well, so maybe that, you know, can outweigh everything that, yeah, may not be a starter we can week out, but being a part of the first team plans, being rated really highly by your manager and knowing that you're you're kind of the next choice, you know, it's it's a sin that you can maybe, under Ange, he only plays two, two centre-halves at a time and, and doesn't go for that three at the back, but as I say, I think if you lose... Stephen Welsh, and even if he goes out alone or if he's moved away permanently, then you're still going to have to be bringing in a better player. And I don't know if there are, you know, there obviously are going to be better players out there than Stephen Welsh, better defenders, but it's a very tough market to try and find anyone in, you know, which is why it was so important to really have Carter Vickers sign because even the top teams, you know, that's a position that's struggling. It's hard to find that rough and tough centre half who can also play with the ball at his feet you know and I think there's definitely as Colin says there's attributes that, that Welsh can improve on in his game but I think he's, he's heading ability you know you saw that yesterday in fairness it was not the hardest uh, header to score purely because Aberdeen were, were so poorly defensively um, but you know he still had to be there in, in the right time and I do actually think his goal scoring record considering the games that he's played is actually pretty decent mm. um, and he is a bit of a threat and then you look that, you know, he is comfortable coming forward with the ball at his feet. So, you know, if he just maybe toughened up a little bit defensively, but, you know, if you're, you're playing alongside Cameron Carter Vickers, that's going to come as well, and you even just training. So I think everything, the ball is very much actually in Stephen Welsh's court right now, because obviously there is interest from elsewhere, but the club have made it very, very clear that they want him part of his first, uh, part of Ange Postacoglu's first team plans. And, you know, 22 year olds, and as a Celtic fan, that's a pretty decent position to be in, I would say. It is. And, you know, another thing, going back to a point that Colin made there uh, in relation to where he is in the pecking order, Colin reckons to get that kind of game time, he should go out on loan. He's the second choice at this moment in time. And I've mentioned this before Chris Julien has affected a number of Celtic transfer windows. And his fitness has affected. So there's no way, I I would guess, there's no way that that someone like Welsh is going to be loaned out at this moment in time uh, because we're going to try and get rid of Chris Julian. You know, so everything's up in the air until we know what's happened with Chris Julian. Therefore, we can't let any of the other defenders leave. I also think that Cam, Cameron Carter-Vickers, the loan deal last day, the transfer window last season, because it was a loan, um, was because we didn't know where we were with Chris Julian. So he's actually affecting now uh, the decisions that are being made. Are we only bringing in a, a centre-half on loan at this moment in time because we don't know what's happened with Chris Julian? If Julian eventually does leave, are we happy to run with the four centre-halves in Welsh, Gents, uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Carl Starfelt? You know, I, I would probably suggest that we will because it's going to leave you with not enough time to bring in a quality centre-half if Julien does indeed leave. So I think the quicker that one is sorted out, the better. 
Colin, what Ange Postecoglou's comments after the game, what did you make of them? That's what's uh, dominating the strap line today. Ange is still striving to improve. He, he actually picked out Jota in the first mm-hmm. half, not really doing what uh, we need him to do. He obviously um, responds with a quite phenomenal goal. But I do think, I, I do agree with Ange, the last 10 minutes of that first half, we allowed Aberdeen to come more into it. We were less clinical than we need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, do you agree with Angie's comments after the game? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, he's obviously looking to, as he said at the end of uh, last season, come back bigger, better and stronger. And it did look as if we'd started the game very well. Um, this is an Aberdeen team that were full of confidence. They'd won four out of four in the Premier Sports Cup. Hadn't conceded a goal yet this season. They were coming into this game flying high and they fancied their chances to try and get something at Celtic Park. We obviously kind of got in there early, got the goal, and then just sort of settled back into the game. I think what Ange is looking for is that sort of... It's like the the, the clinical edge that we need mm-hmm. to bring to this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have you seen games before where it's went 2-3-0, and then the game sort of died off, you've made the subs, it kills the game... I don't think Ange wants that at all. I think if Ange Postacoglu could win every game 20 nil, he would do it. And that's him showing respect to the other team as well because he's not stopping. He's continuing to play at this high level. The intensity doesn't drop. I think at times, towards the, the last 10 minutes of that second half, I thought the high press disappeared. We didn't push them far, far enough back. When we did, we were turning the ball over. We must have had the most percent possession in their half, in the first half. They, we could, they couldn't get out for the first 30, 35 minutes. It wasn't until Hayes put the one past the post where they actually opened up. Mm-hmm. We need to kind of continue to do that, to pen them in and to take the chances. There was too many times where the, the ball kind of got put across the box and there was nobody there, or the ball was overhit. And I'm sure that they're working on this in training, and that's not the case in training. But when it comes up to the game, you've got to step up and bring that level of intensity there as well. And if we'd have went in at half-time, four or five, nothing up, nobody could have said anything for the amount of attempts and the amount of times that we drove at that Aberdeen defence. But the thing was, it was still 1-0. If that Hayes goal had went in, you were saying that they were kind of stepping away from uh, that game at half-time, being still in it, when they hadn't created anything apart from that one chance. Yeah. So it's totally understandable where Ange wants to be. You're not going to be able to create all these chances when you step up and play teams in the Champions League. You're not going to get the the opportunities that we had today. But if you learn to take them against teams like Aberdeen and play like that in Scotland, when you make that step up and you continue to be as clinical as that, you you take the chances that are given in front of you. Now... Amy, I'm going to throw this one at yourself, uh, not literally, obviously, but how refreshing is it that we've gone from a manager who, in the post-match, left you uh, even more baffled than uh, you were watching the 90 minutes before you, uh, where he didn't really have much answers, he didn't really know how to break down sides, um, and he admitted that a lot of the time in his post-match. Then you've got Ange, who you get the three points in the bag, you win 2 nothing comfortably, and he wants more. That mantra of we never stop, yeah, it looks good on a T-shirt and all that kind of stuff, but it is actually a mantra that is seeping into the team. You look at Kyle McGregor, two minutes into injury time yesterday, two minutes into injury time, and he's still screaming at his teammates because it's not good enough. 
even though the game's won and it's in the bag. Um, how refreshing is it to have someone at the helm who simply will not let the standards drop? Because we were very critical of the standards previously, weren't we? Yeah, the standards are impeccably high. Um, and as they should be, and I think as we've really kind of come accustomed to, in all honesty, um, for it to be maintained throughout the 90 minutes, I think, you know, that's probably something that's not been in place for, for a wee while now. I think quite often things would drop off around 70, 65 even um, minutes on the clock. So to, to have that and to have that, you know, run throughout the team as well, um, it, it really is, you know, the substitutions that come on around the hour mark, hour to 70 minutes. They're not, um, you know, they're not just filling the gaps or, or anything like that. They really are to come on and to maintain that intensity. And, and you can really see that. And, and that's obviously the message that's getting portrayed across as well. And then as you say, post-match, it's um, it's a totally different ball game. You have someone who's not really getting too high when things are high and not getting too low when things are low. And I think just remaining very, very grounded. You know, Ange Postacoglu could easily came in and say yesterday um, to the press that that was... You know, a sensational performance because it, it was a very, very comfortable performance. But he, he did not get too carried away, you know, and he was critical that there wasn't that clinical side um, in Celtic. So I think that he just, yeah, basically doesn't get too high when things are going well and doesn't get too low when, when things maybe aren't going to plan. I think he just came to really get used to his very reasoned and very rational kind of approach to things. Um, and in all honesty, I actually think Jim Gibbon was as well yesterday. I think he was uh, his post match was, was rather spot on. That you know, he just his side just simply weren't good enough yesterday. You know, he's going to um, you're you're just really facing a, a top quality side right now. So I think that respect is there um, when perhaps it hasn't been before. I just think also uh, it was quite funny someone said that if uh, Jimmy Goodwin gets sent to the stand he can just go and sit on his season ticket seat um, <laughs> which probably is a million miles away from the truth uh, we're going to digress a wee bit from the football because there has been some shuffling going on in the boardroom at Celtic and the chairman Ian Bank here is set to step down which has obviously opened the floodgates to um, the rumours that Peter Lowell is returning. Did he ever leave, Colin? Um, and I think that, you know, you could go through right far, as far back as when uh, Amy Canavan was shouting for Tony Ralston to play uh, right back for Celtic and no one believed her. Uh, we were also saying that Peter Lowell's coming back. He's going to come back as a chairman. Um, do you think that's going to happen, Colin? And if so, do you see any issue with that? Do you have any issues with it? I've seen a lot um, across the spectrum on social media for and against such an appointment. <sighs> Where do you start with this? Um, it was kind of obvious, wasn't it? We, we saw it. I saw this one coming. Um, but I mean, I can't believe Mark Lawwell's got his dad a job again. That's that's ridiculous, eh? Um, I'm, I'm joking before anybody jumps in on me there. Um, I believe he starts his, his new position today, so all the best to Mark and what's left of the transfer window if we're going to be doing any more recruiting. Um, well, Ian Bank here, I think he was always going to be stepping down soon. I don't think he had the best relationship with the Celtic fan base. I think some of his ethos didn't match that of the Celtic fan base. Um, Peter Lawwell is someone who is very highly thought of by the superiors at Celtic Park. Um, what does surprise me if he does come back is where was the whole resignation thing? 
the fact that he kind of stepped down, could he not have hung around to train up Michael Nicholson, who I believe actually has done a, a good job so far? Um, and knowing that that position was coming up soon, because I think everybody saw that one coming as well. Like, I think he's the he's the obvious candidate for a lot of people. That's not necessarily to say that that will be the candidate, that will be the person that steps in. We saw what happened when the head of security job came about. If the fan pressure is there, then Celtic eventually did listen. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think Peter Lowell is someone who splits the fan base. I think you'll find people who still think he's been a great thing for Celtic Football Club. You'll find people that don't think he's got the right to step back into the club at all. And if it's a divisive character like that, it's maybe not someone we need right now. But it looks as if Celtic are going with the old tried and trusted. He's a, he's a, a well-known player. He's a well-known hand. He, he knows the city sort of thing, uh, as the, the Celtic board seem to use time and time again. Well, Amy, someone maybe watching Axom and going through our comments on Peter Lowell might think, well, what, are you a bit confused? What is it you want from a Celtic chairman? Because we criticised Ian Bankier for being something of a... Uh, a kind of empty blazer, I think would be the best uh, way to describe him. And that he's, he's hardly a figurehead. And then people might say, well, do you need to be a figurehead to be the chairman of your football club? Has the CEO, CEO's position become, in modern football, um, a far bigger high-profile position than the chairman? When was the last time we had a high-profile chairman? Um, but it's all about having the strength uh, and, and a collective strength within the boardroom. And I remember being at uh, a fans' forum where Kevin Graham um, asked every single one of them, every member of the board, to look out the window at Brother Walfred and say, what would Brother Walfred do? And they were all kind of looking at each other and, and begin, they were a wee bit puzzled that Kevin had the audacity to tell them that they didn't know how to do their job. And then what happens is, Bankier is replaced with a very strong, high-profile individual. It just so happens to be Peter Lowell perhaps. Um, what's your take on it, Amy? Because I know that you're a student of Scottish football. Um, Peter Lowell has been accused in the past of running Scottish football from more than one person. And I think that... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. 
not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It ended badly, didn't it? So you've got that kind of recency, like memory syndrome, whereby you're remembering how it all ended, that horrible season. Let's not bring it back up again. Um, Dubai, John Joe Kenny, yeah, all that stuff happened, right? And we, we didn't win a trophy. And that's what a lot of people is remembering. But there, there was a huge amount of success. So where are you on Peter Lowell coming back as a chairman? Yeah, everything you kind of outlined is um, a spot on. It is. It's a funny situation because if you're totally like looking from the outside in, you're going, well, what else do you want? You know, you're kind of asked, like your Celtic fans are just kind of, you know, wanting their cake and eating it a bit. But I think for me, the, the I don't know, frustration, I don't know if that's maybe too strong a word, but I think it's it. You know, that maybe the Celtic tried to fool us that Peter Lowell even left in the first place. Um, and now that you know, it just so happens that this role is is um, you know becoming available quite so soon, and he's so seamlessly going to kind of just move into it. Um, so I think that that's kind of where I stand. You know, just be honest that you know he's never really left. We've all seen the photos. I don't know how they ever thought that you know we wouldn't see him still in in his suit in the changing room and and in the boardroom and and all these places that he's been spotted. So um, you know, piece of oil pretty much been in at the club my entire life so I'm very very used to him um, and I've not got a, a a problem really probably with him being it because you know if he did kind of have to drum up who it would be you know he does probably tick most of the boxes um, as you're saying about figurehead and, and, and this but I think for me it is just you know just don't try and pull that wool over the eyes that yeah that this was never part of the plan you know this has been the big grand Lowell plan or family plan whatever it is don't try and you know make it out that it's you know a new direction for the club but it's still still the old boys job um and i think you know that just runs through scottish football in its entirety um you know i think Lowell still very much had these opinions within scottish football and yeah it's always i don't really know when it's going to change scottish football and as a whole really that it's not going to be the old boys act because it kind of runs through every single club you know pretty much unless you're you know, I've got a lot of respect for Alan Burrows at, at Motherwell. You know, as a fan coming through and, and really doing trying to do a lot of good things. Leanne Dempster at Hibs, obviously now at Queen's Park, she's really trying to like change the scene and, and change the, the narrative. But I think when you've still got the two up the top and or pretty much anyone else really in the premiership still running the way that they run and making sure that, you know, the the old boys are, are safe in a job and that everything's cushy for them. I think until that changes, um, I think we'll just be going in, in pretty much a cycle in Scottish football, to be totally honest. I think when you look at it, one of the things that would be quite frustrating is the fact that this is supposed to be a fresh new start for Celtic. Yes. This is the sort of, the period that we had, obviously the period of success. It's the, the chapter closed when we didn't win the 10 in a row. We brought in Ange Postacoglu, we changed the way that we play football, we totally refreshed the squad, we refreshed some of the um, structure behind the scenes, we're looking at changing the, the B squad, we're bringing in our own coaches, we're looking at changing the, the scouting system and then when you look at it you're saying right, we can do all that but then Peter Lowell's coming back as a chairman and you're saying well that's still that attachment to that previous period and it's whether you can look beyond that to say, well, he's done this, that, and the next thing, or if he's still got that attachment to the previous period. 
And I think if you've been perfectly honest, there probably is other people out there that could do the job. I think Peter Lowell was just the easy option for someone to pick and say it's safe, he's been isn't here it? before. Yeah. Yeah, it's not quite Dirty Den returning to Albert Square for anybody <laughs> who's a child of the 1980s, but um, there are some concerns, and I've read quite a lot of concerns on social media. What does a chairman do anyway was uh, one of the questions I, I think would be very good to um, underline and outline. I think also that needs to be outlined is Celtic's ambitions for the next five years. Where is the club going? You know, It can't always just be about, right, new season, let's win the league. You know, you need to have a vision. You need to know in terms of the um, aspirations on a European level, where are you taking us? What what do you think we can attain in Europe? And that was one of my biggest criticisms. Remember the comments calling about Ian Bank here saying that we can't compete in Europe. Oh, we'll just rip it up then. Let's no bother mm-hmm. turning up. And it became, you know, a situation where if you can't compete in Europe and you're happy just to go and pick up your bounty, then what's the point? Because you're not reinvesting it in the team. You're fleecing the fans every single pre-season for three jerseys, one of which is a horror show. And it, it goes round and round in circles. If you've got a vision and you know what the club is trying to do in the short to medium term, then I think it's more palatable when some decisions are made. But I agree with yourself, Colin. I, th- I thought we were on a different path. So mm. let's see how that develops and let's see how it is accepted or otherwise. We need to talk about ins and outs before the end of the transfer window. But let's bring up some more comments. Uh, Green Lichty, Green Lichty, looking good first game, frightening once the shooting boots are on. Yeah, you imagine uh, Hugo, um, you know, when he's he's absolute peak, he's going to score a couple of goals. You imagine Yakimakis when he comes on couple of chances, probably could have scored a couple himself. Um, we also have John Boy, 1888. Jota's goal reminded me of the wee magician Lubo. Oh yeah, the way he wrapped his boot around that, um, running away from goal and then just uh, putting it in the opposite corner. Fantastic strike. Eddie Carrick gave up his two season tickets yesterday to let his kids attend the first game together. Couldn't have picked a better time. That TIFO was outstanding. It certainly was and hopefully your kids enjoyed the game as well. Nothing better. Now, the ins and the outs. I'm going to come to you first. Wait a minute. Kevin Graham brings up Bobby Ewing in Dallas. It was all a dream. Yeah. Do you remember that scene? He's just in the shower. Look it up. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Colin and Amy look blankly into the screen. Bobby Ewing came back from the from the dead in Dallas and uh, Dirty Den done the same in EastEnders. I prefer the EastEnders version, I've got to say. So there we go. Um, who do we sign? Who do we sell? Colin, what? Where do we need to strengthen? I think you're still looking at potentially bringing another striker into the club. Hmm. Um, I think we'll see... Um, both Johnny Kenny and Joey Dawson, um, if they're not part of the uh, B team, which both of them have been so far this season, then they will um, probably make their way out on loan. Uh, and if I'm being greedy and looking for some other position, I think potentially another winger. Um, I think Mickey Johnson has been made pretty clear that uh, Ange wants to get him out on loan. He's already sort of mentioned that as part of his development. Um, I think when you've got Maeda on the, the left and Jota on the right, you can also bring in someone like Abada. Um, and I, I may have missed someone out there, but just keeping someone else in there. J- James A. Forrest? James A. Forrest? Oh, James Forrest on the right. I'm, I'm sorry, I was thinking about on the left-hand side. I, you don't want to really play James Forrest on the left. Jota was kind of ineffective on the left as well 
Um, so I think probably a left-sided winger to mm. come in there uh, to back up uh, Maeda. Uh, uh, just someone that can maybe be as creative as Jota on that side. And I think the, the two signings, if you are going to sign anybody now, it will be um, loans of option to buy. Yeah, um, it's interesting because we do have a lot of wingers and they, they can, I mean, I know Jamie Forrest isn't that effective out there, I'd agree with that, Colin, but he can play there. Uh, I also agree with the fact that Jota seems to be more effective on the other side. Is that where you're looking, Amy? I mean, again, the argument could be made that Maeda and Obada can play through the middle if we have an injury crisis to Kyogo and Yakimakis. Um, anywhere else we need to strengthen, do you think, Amy? I would still go, and it's greedy, and it is greedy. And I don't know how plausible it would be, but a defensive midfielder still. Um, and I know it's tricky because you just brought an Aaron Moy, so I understand that the legitimacies of that are probably very, very narrow, um, very, very slim. But that that's where I still think that you could do with just a little bit more cover, like a really strong a defensive-minded midfielder, not just somebody that can be a defensive midfielder, but a defensive-minded midfielder, um, you know, who isn't actually too fussed about going forward and really does just want to cover that back line. I think that's going to be imperative for any kind of success in Europe. Um, so that, that's where I would be looking, where you're going to find that player. That's a bit tricky as well. It's certainly not what I'm... Um, thankfully, I'm not paid to do that. But, I, uh, yeah, that that's where I still think that could probably... You know, just be a little bit more. I'd be a little bit more confident if we did have just yeah somebody a little bit more inclined to just hang back a little bit and and protect the the, the back four um, and in particular the back two the back two centre halves. Um, wouldn't mind another striker, but I don't think that it's as much as a priority as what maybe others have said. Purely because I agree with you. You know that push t- comes to shove, sorry, you can have Maeda through the middle and yeah, he's maybe not as effective but he can still, you know, play a part um, and then I also just don't think a striker's really going to be coming in while a Yeti's still in the books as well, you know, you've got to think about squad size and, and, and exactly. wage as well so yeah. I think if a Yeti left then there's every possibility um, but, you know, the more and more we go on um, I'm also not too sure you know, what does the future really hold for, for Albi and a Yeti it's a good point, that uh, Colin, and I've already made the point about Julien holding up certain moves or maybe we're going to play it safe, bring in a loan, etc. Um, for me, if I'm looking at players leaving the club, right, I'm going to be bold here because I would still agree with Amy 100% on a jetty. It's, it's not happened. He needs to move on for uh, the best of all parties involved. Julien's the same for me. Um, it's time for Julien to go. Uh, Mikey Johnston... I've said, yeah, let him go, but I, I'm still going to say let him go out on loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he needs to go out on loan. He, he's got a couple of years left on his contract. He's still got uh, time on his side. People will be maybe scathing with that viewpoint, saying that you know he's had so many last chances. I've been saying it for two seasons. But I would put him out on loan. And I think McCarthy, you know, again, we need to move him on. Um, I don't think we'll get a permanent deal for him. But, you know, I'm looking at that lineup at the weekend. He wasn't on the bench, was he? So he's further and further away from a first-team berth. I like the fact he's got experience, etc. I think that was vital last season, but I don't think it's as vital in the dressing room and on the training pitch this time round. Therefore, if there is an offer 
And again, it'll probably be a loan deal. I would, I would shift McCarthy out the door as well. They're the four. There will be a few French players calling, I'm sure, who will go out and loan. I think Scott Robertson, um, he's still at the club and uh, a loan deal would be good for him. What's your thoughts? Who should be leaving the building? Um, it's hard to disagree with who you just mentioned there. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the goalkeepers went out on loan as well, um, whether that be Scott Bain or even Toby Olawayemi. Um, just to get that experience, um, I think Scott Bain maybe hang out, maybe hang around for the, um, the the Champions League squad just to get the sort of homegrown players uh, rule going. Um, but yeah, as you say, players like Albin Ayeti, Chris Julian, James McCarthy, I think might stick around as well. Uh, again, for that sort of homegrown squad option because he came through at Hamilton. Um, you mentioned Scott Robertson there. I've been very surprised that we haven't seen Scott Robertson at all this pre-season. I don't even think he travelled over to Austria. Now, reading between the lines here, I think it's time that we we actually move that boy on if he's not going to be part of the squad. Um, and I don't think he's got time left for a loan deal. I think he's had his loan deals. I think he's only got 12 months left on his contract. If you're going to do anything, you may as well try and get a bit of cash um, for him instead of letting him go for free because you have developed him over this time. Um, obviously, he made his, his breakthrough into that uh, team that we saw play. Was it Cluj away when he, he made his European debut? And Karamoko Dembele played that day and mm. a certain Paul John Dykes was there, but he doesn't like to talk about that too much. Um, Not much. But there, there is a sort of generation of these players that we've we've hung on to for too long that probably need to start leaving Celtic to, to further develop their own careers because they don't have the ability to step up and be part of the first team squad. You saw it already, like Sir Kerr McEnroy made the move to Kilmarnock. Yeah. Um, there'll be plenty of others that kind of came through there and the thing is that all came down to the fact that there wasn't the platform for these guys to make the step up to the first team so if we're going to seriously invest in the youth team and we've obviously got the B team in the Lowland League um, I've seen the reserve league that was put back together that's a, a bit of a shambles as well um, look if you're going to spend all this money in Lennox Town and you're going to develop these players you do have to give them a pathway but we didn't do it so there's these kind of players that we've, we're paying decent amounts of money you've just got to be honest and say look unfortunately it's just not going to be your time and move them on yeah move them on and for the betterment of their own careers he made his debut like Colin says on a night where we actually played Scott Sinclair Lee Griffiths and Olivia and Cham they all started for Celtic that night Craig Gordon also started and he was murder uh, I always remind people that it was time for him to leave Celtic um, probably not the best replacement with Barkas coming in to be fair Amy um the players that we mentioned, would you keep any of them? McCarthy, Johnson, Julian, Ajete? No. Um, no. Johnson definitely away on loan, which I think, um, obviously Ange has said that, that that's kind of where he's wanting them to go as well. I think right now there's a real opportunity for him to go to Hibs. Um, you know, McGeady's pulled up with, that, with an injury already um, and I think he'd be a really decent fit there. But then the other prong, do I really want him working under Lee Johnson when I don't know how stable that kind of 
um, relationships really going right now. I don't know. But I think he could do a job at like a, a club, you know, kind of like Hibs. Um, and, and as Colin rightly said, you know, you're not asking him to go down in, in, in the lower leagues or anything like that, you know, because there is, there is potential there and there is a player. Um, it's just about really trying to get that out and it's not really coming out right now. McCarthy, I just, I don't think he will move on because I just, you know, I, I still just kind of have to laugh um, that there's still three years left on that deal. So I, I don't really see him probably wanting to go anywhere else. Um, you know, I think for, for James McCarthy, you surely are just licking your lips still that you have that four-year deal at Celtic. Um, and as for Julian, I've never kind of really hid it since some of his comments. I've just never really been too enamoured. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to him going out and then a Yeti. Yeah, just God knows where he is, you know. Because, um, again, it's another one that there has to be a player in there when you look at, you know, his past clubs and performances. But I think you're kind of maybe seeing now as to why it didn't maybe work out at West Ham or, um, well, yeah, at West Ham, it was under under David Moyes. So I think these are players that it would be a real benefit to get them off the books, but how plausible and how lucrative they are to other clubs, I'm honestly not too sure because, you know, what is the portfolio of these players over the last 18 months? It's very, very minimal. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think we've already done a very good job in getting rid of Barca, Soro and Bolingoli. So hopefully uh, any other players surplus to requirements. If Ange uh, believes they're not going to play a part, we can move them on as well because there's nothing worse than players just clogging up the squad, really. Um, some great points coming through. Robert Highland, welcome back. Well, Lowell called the shots on transfers. Don't like him returning. He is drunk with power. I think this is the biggest issue, right? Because when he was um, appointed initially, uh, the job description was all non-footballing matters. That was his job spec. But uh, with the power and with time, he started, uh, I think, getting involved too much in the football uh, dealings and uh, none more so than uh, when Brendan Rodgers was in charge because Brendan spoke out about it time and time again, talking about uh, wingers that he didn't really uh, need at the club. Um, you know, Marvin Comper coming in and playing uh, wait a minute, did I say six? No, did he play half an hour or an hour against Morton? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was clear that the manager wasn't signing some of these players. So yes, you cannot have someone behind the scenes making footballing decisions. Acrobat. Um, chairman's oversee the running of the club. So I'm sure if Lobo comes back, I know for sure he won't be sticking his nose into what players to buy. Well, hopefully that is the case that he isn't involved in that side of things. Brown, Warrior of Celtic, needed a good accountant, then Peter is your man. He was uh, Terry Cassidy's appointment initially in the early 90s, wasn't he? Um, in a financial manager's position mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Um, Lucy, why all the palaver of saying he's retiring? I know uh, there was a bit of palaver over that, all that. And SPB, the former CEO, coming back to take a lesser job. The present CEO is effectively impotent. Well, we will wait and see uh, Kevin Graham just throwing in the controversy as well. I remember being in a meeting, Peter Lowell denied he had seen the five-way agreement. Someone shouted, I've got the email on my phone if you want to look. Um, Yes, all that kind of stuff was uh, effectively um, airbrushed, wasn't it, by the previous regime. We wait and see if Peter Lowell comes back, if he does... uh, then let's hope that it doesn't affect 
what we have at the moment with Ange in charge because what he's certainly done as a as a single figure is galvanised the fan base Ange Postacoglu I don't think uh, I think he'll struggle to find a Celtic fan who's unhappy with Ange Postacoglu that's for sure um, that was a quick hour it's always a pleasure thanks everybody for getting involved in the comments have a wee look at the links underneath um, underneath the video because we've got a few links down there if you want to support St Mary's the birthplace of Celtic the GoFundMe page is still live you can throw a couple of quid in if you're able, we've also got uh, the link to the Axom shop so you can go in there and buy some merch. And if you came and joined us at the launch last Saturday in Edinburgh, you will have seen some fantastic merchandise from this man right here, Aidan Cragen. Uh, and that is the Celtic away strip, actually, that was called Boggin by the wee guy outside Celtic Park back in 1991. Uh, but that T-shirt certainly is not Boggin. That's a Paul McStay T-shirt. The link to Aidan's page is underneath this video as well. And if you're looking for a T-shirt, we do have some in stock. So drop us a DM. Um, we'll see if we've got your size and we'll sort it out for you as well. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you to Colin Watt and to Amy Canavan for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.